Dear brothers and sisters, dear listeners, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we are at the beginning now of our third session of Surah Maryam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this gathering a very blessed one for all of us. And may He make it a means of our najat, our salvation. May Allah Azza wa allow uh, us to hear that which is most beneficial for all of us. May Allah Azza wa inspire us with the ability to practice on whatever khair and good is shared. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this a gathering of surrounded by angels. May He make it a gathering in which His special mercy descends. May he make a gathering where we are uh, encouraged to repent and come towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may he make it a gathering in which we make inten- great intentions to build our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Last week we stopped on the asp- uh, we were covering the story of Zakaria alayhi salam and Yahya alayhi salam. And one of the ayat where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, Qala kathalik. <coughs> He said, uh, even so it shall be, kathalik. Right? This is where we said, you could, we could, you know, there's so much to be said on there. So it shall be, Allah Azza wa said, قَالَ رَبُكُ Your Lord said, it is easy for me. وَقَدْ خَلَقْتُكُمْ مِنْ قَبْلِ And I've created you before and you are nothing. What did we understand from that, dear uh, listeners? Is that when it comes in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should not use excuses that this thing seems difficult and this seems impossible no matter how difficult and challenging it may be if we have true trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah azza wa with means without means and against means can change anything and everything there is absolutely nothing that cannot be changed that's something that we understand here so here although the asbab and the means seemed very meager to actually not meager but rather against it it seemed very unlikely that Allah Azza wa Jal would grant him a child, but Allah Azza wa Jal granted him that. And where, the question uh, that we can ask, why did he get this motivation for having a child? And we, the answer is to, of course, take care of his uh, generations that come after him. Where, where, where was he inspired? What inspired him? He was inspired by looking at Maryam uh, uh, as mentioned in Surah Al-Imran. When he saw her piety, and when he saw her righteousness, he was inspired. And he said that this is, this is the greatest blessing, to have a child or to have a daughter or a son worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What else you want? A daughter or a son making ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What else you want? So that aspect was something that motivated, uh, motivated uh, Zakaria alayhi salatu wasalam to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for the same. So we talked about the fact that having righteous children are one of the greatest, greatest blessings that a person can, can be gifted. And so when a person sees in this day and age children who are uh, practicing the deen properly and who are, uh, have good character and who are dutiful to their parents and dutiful to their Lord and uh, leading a very clean, pure life, that should be a motivation for us to say, that it can be done. Usually we write it off, right? We say they don't make them like they used to. And so, but when you see that there are some great models out there, 
then we should get inspired to say, let me not use this, let me not blame the era, uh, let me not use, uh, you blame the era for my laziness. In reality, it comes down to laziness, right? Many times, is that we are not willing to be involved in the parenting of our children and the tarbiyah of their children to be, it's not easy. It's 24-7, you have to be watching every aspect. Every aspect of it is very tiring and very, very challenging, definitely. But when you see children who are, uh, have good character and good akhlaq, and who are following the deen, you and I should be inspired by that. And this is what should be motivating us to make lots of dua for our own kids and the kids of the ummah, and also to be making extra effort. So here he looks at Maryam alayhi salam and he gets inspired. And he starts asking Allah for a child. That's also has good sifat. Allah says, Kadarik, that's it, I'm gonna do it. It's super easy for me, right? So the, the, dars, the dars for all of us to take is, is to just make dua with yaqeen. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, uh, he, gave him, he gave him a gift of, or he said, Ya Allah, give me a sign. Give me a sign, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the sign that you will not be able to speak for three days. This is the sign that you're, you should be, you'll be um, uh, you know, expecting a child soon. Your wife will be expecting a child. So, it mentions that his tongue, he was able to do dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was able to do the dhikr of Allah, but when he came to speaking to people, he couldn't speak. That's just how it was. His, his tongue could move in Allah's remembrance, but he couldn't speak to people at that time for three days. Right? For three days that happened. Three days in, three nights in a row. Because we're talking about the lunar calendar that's based on the moon. And the lunar calendar that's based on the moon is calculated by when the moon rises. And the moon rises in the night. So that's why you have three nights, not three days. He said three nights because that is the way to measure. Uh, in a lunar calendar, you're going to be measuring things by the, uh, by the night. And that's why in the Islamic calendar, we always say the day begins after Maghrib. Correct? Because it begins in the night. That's how the, our days begin. So the night of Jum'ah starts Thursday after Maghrib. And the rest of the week is the same. So, فَخَرَجَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِي الْحِرَابِ So Zakaria came forth to his people from his sanctuary. We talked about Mihrab. Mihrab is a place where you uh, war. Mihrab from Harb. Harb means fight. War. Mihrab is called a mihrab is because this is where, right here behind me, the niche, is where a person fights with shaitan. Right? Fights against shaitan. That's a place where you are supplicating to Allah and saying, Ya Allah, make me from your army and save me from the army of shaitan. Allow me to overpower shaitan. Where do we ask this type of dua? It's done in the mihrab. What else happens in the mihrab? In the mihrab is where we fight against our nafs. Where we fight against our nafs. The nafs does not like long nafil. The nafs does not like... Uh, even, even salah with jama'ah Nafs doesn't like any of that But to overpower that nafs A person stands up in a place like a mihrab And turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So this is why mihrab is called mihrab Usually mihrab in previous uh, nations It used to be at a higher place Meaning Here it would mean that a person would make ibadah In a, a higher raised platform Or raised room So he was in his that small a monastery or a small room where he was doing ibadah. He came out of there and he couldn't speak to the to his people who were, you know, or his nation who was who was in an area below that. And he just said he signaled to them, and he said, "Sabbihu bukratan wa I want you to do tasbih. I want you to uh, I want you to exalt Allah Subhanahu wa Taala morning and evening. So in this in in, in our deen in our Sharia, it is dis- completely disliked for a person to for the imam to be performing salah on a raised platform. 
right? There's not supposed to be a, a difference between the Imam and those who are following him. That he is at a higher platform and the rest are on the lower ground. And that's why there's incidents where certain Sahaba were leading Salah and uh, and uh, one of them was uh, one of them was leading after the demise of Rasulullah was leading in the mihrab at a higher spot at a higher area, and one of the companions Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu if I remember correctly pulled him, and then he basically got off the mimbar got off that the big stage and came down. After salah, he scolded him right the one who's leading. He told him, "Do you not know this is not what we do. We do not the Imam should not be standing, you know, above the rest of the muqtadis." So he said, yes, thank you for the reminder and that's why I listened to you. It's not that I didn't fight back in Salah to say, why are you pulling me? That, that is why I listened and I obeyed and I came down from the platform because I, re, I, re, I, re, I, was, I remembered that this is something that is not supposed to be done in our deen, right? in, in, in the Sharia. Notice he's not speaking, right? but that does not stop him from encouraging his people to do tasbih. So dear brothers, dear sisters, dear listeners, uh, think about that That when a person We're being taught here That if a person is not able to even speak He should still Try to use his Abilities that Allah has given him To invite towards the deen And to encourage people So at home If a person may say that, Or outside as well I don't have much knowledge And I don't have this And, and, and so how can, I, how, can I, how can I Make the effort of deen How can I invite people to the masjid How can I invite people Say to this halaqah To this tafsir a person does not have to do much. You don't have to give long lectures and talks. A person can simply say a few words of a, a reminder. Just a simple reminder to a person. A simple phone call. right? A simple text message. That goes such a long way. And we should all recognize and realize that the ummah needs us. All of us who are blessed to be here today. Listening to us in person or online. But especially those who are here in person. Realize there's so many who would have come. If Allah would have allowed them to come, if the ghafla would have been taken away, how nice it would be if every one of us were to have that mahabba and love for them and to text message them to see how they're doing and see if we can pick them up and we can bring them to the Isha Salah or we can bring them to the Tafsir. This is the type of mahabba and the type of concern that the Anbiya would have. And that is what is required from all of us. Our effort will be multiplied so much. I was speaking to a businessman. He said, make dua. My business is very, going very well. I really hope to now open up a franchise and try to have this open up in different cities. That is a natural way you proceed. That is exactly what you're supposed to do if you're in business. If it's going well, you have it under control, you want to go to the next step, which is expansion into different areas and different cities. But why in the matter of deen, our mind doesn't work like that? That alhamdulillah, seven days in a row, three days in a row, I've made it for Isha. Alhamdulillah, two, days, two weeks in a row or a week, yeah, I've been able to attend the tafsir. So now let me take it to the next level. I want to become a bigger businessman of the akhirah. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing this. But how about I am able to get another five people to come perform the salah? How about if I'm able to encourage another five brothers to you know, attend the tafsir? That is how a Muslim businessman thinks. A person who's doing the business of the akhirah. But unfortunately, many, many have not chosen this route. Even though it's so easy, you don't need capital. You don't need money. You don't need bank account. You don't need a loan for this. You don't need a big five-year, ten-year strategy or planning. You don't need an MBA for this. What you need, you need to have fikr for your akhirah and love for the people. Fikr for your own akhirah and love for the people. If this comes into us, then we will be able to reach out to people. Any type of dini effort, even for Jummah now. Yes, we have to give da'wah towards Jummah. We have to speak about Jummah to our family and friends and invite them and ask them to come and volunteer to pick them up and whatever the case may be. 
That's what it has come down to. This never used to, we never heard of this, right? But this is what we need to do now. Give da'wah towards Juma Salah. So dear friends, here you have Yahya Zakaria who is not speaking with his tongue, but he is going tasbih, he is signaling with his, with his hands to do tasbih. Sometimes I think about um, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the example of a person who is, uh, uh, you know, a person who is, who wakes up at night to see his house burning, right? And who sees his apartment building on fire. Unfortunate incidents we've heard about in the news, right? Where a whole apartment building uh, goes up in fire. What happens? That individual who goes around, and many times you hear these heroic stories of, of this individual going around and waking up people from their rooms or their apartments and getting them out quickly to safety. My dear friends, that person who is doing that, he is not necessarily have to be someone who's eloquent or who knows the language of all the ethnicities of the people who are living in that apartment complex, right? He simply has to, you know, bang on the doors and he can, without even knowing any word, you can quite make it apparent, you can make it apparent quite quickly that there's a fire. What is it? It's the mere, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the, uh, the voice of this person who is saying something that doesn't make sense, maybe in a language that we don't understand. Who looks at you with such a, a face of terror. Who uh, shows you, uh, you know, with his hands, he, makes, he signals that this place is not safe for you. And he's able to get hundreds of people to safety and save them from a blazing fire without knowing eloquent speech. This is the norm. Because he's got in him a genuine care that I want to save people from fire. This is what deen requires, that if you really believe in akhirah and you want to love people, then you need to do what is required to save them from the fire of hell. And that means inviting them, talking to them, trying your best to connect them with the masjid, trying your best to connect them with gatherings of knowledge and dhikr. May Allah grant all of us this beautiful quality. And may He make all of us businessmen of the akhirah. Ameen Rabbil Alameen. So uh, when He tells the people, Allah then doesn't, he skips the, the middle part of it because it's not necessary, meaning the child was born, the child grew up, the child was, was a great kid, and then a time came where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a prophethood. And Allah then told him, Ya Yahya, O Yahya, take hold of the heavenly book with utmost power. Take hold of it, take responsibility of it, right? Make sure you fully, fully understand the responsibility of this book. So practice on it, preach it, invite towards it. This is how the responsibility of the deen is. That when we are given the gift of Qur'an, when we are given any responsibility of the deen, we should remember this ayah. When someone gives you a register, don't just take it lazily, you know, clumsy with the, thing, the register or the book about to fall off of your hands. Right? That's not the way we're supposed to respond with the deen. When Allah gives us a responsibility, when Allah gives us an honor to serve, then do it with due diligence. Do it properly. Do it with, uh, with extreme attention to detail. Do it more than, uh, uh, do it, fulfill that responsibility better than we fulfill the responsibility at work. Fulfill it better than we do our own hobbies. You know, with an eye of perfection. This is what it means. That whatever you're doing, especially the effort of deen, then when it comes to the matters of deen, let's not be cheap. Let's not, let's, if we say, I'm just a volunteer. No. Our volunteering at any non for profit is if it's done for the sake of Allah, by Allah, 
Subhanallah, it should be done better than a, when a person gets paid for it. Because he realizes, he says, I'm getting paid. Who said I'm not getting paid if I'm volunteering? I'm getting paid by the hour? No. By the minute? No. By the second. And it's the rate, going rate is not 15 bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour. It is millions that we can't even imagine coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Simply picking up the speck of dust that you see on the ground. Picking up dirt from the floor of, of the masjid is going, to, is going to get you, Allahu alam, how many palaces in paradise. So when we serve the deen, if we do a, a full-hearted proper job, then the reward is unbelievable. Because we realize then that uh, my, my reward is coming from where? From Allah azza wa jal. So this should be the ayah we should focus on. In any khidmah of deen that we're doing, Ya Yahya khudil kitaba bi Take this book or take this responsibility, you know, with, with a full understanding and with utmost power. Allah says, We gave him prophetic wisdom as a child. Right, so some say that he was only two or three years old when Allah Azza wa Jal uh, gave him understanding. He was a very young boy, but he was not like the rest. Uh, and the, it, as it's mentioned in the books of Tafsir, that uh, Yahya alayhi salatu wasalam, when, when the children of the, of the area would come and tell him that let's go play, he would respond by saying, Allah didn't create us for playing. Allah didn't create us for that. Little kids come and tell him. He was a child, but Allah Azza wa Jal gave him that intelligence. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he says, Man al-Qur'ana qabla an yahtalim, mimman Whoever recites the Qur'an before he becomes baligh, before he reaches puberty, then he is from amongst those who have been given wisdom as a child. Right? Meaning, those children, blessed boys and girls, who are reciting Qur'an since a young age, two, three, four, five years old, etc. They're reading Qur'an. Then those are unique children. Those are unique children. They've been given wisdom while people are on video games and YouTube and whatnot and all the other stuff that's going on. These kids are sitting with the Qur'an. This is a gift of Allah to those beautiful sons and daughters of the Ummah who from a very young age are holding the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's amazing what you see nowadays, right? People come and say, my two-year-old memorized this many surahs. And two-year-olds, yes, and recites 10, 10 surahs, 15 surahs, 20 surahs. You say, subhanAllah, two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. These are the type of stories we see in the community. So these are lucky parents, blessed parents, alhamdulillah, and lucky children who have been blessed with this wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine how they will be when they grow up. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned one hadith, كُلُّ بَنِي آدَمْ يَأْتِي يَوْمَ الْقِيَامُ وَلَهُ ذَنْبٌ إِلَّا مَا كَانَ مِنْ يَحْيَبْنِ الزَّكَرِيَّةِ Every single child, uh, you know, it's mentioned in Qurtubi here, that every single, every single person on the Day of Judgment will come with sins except for Yahya a.s. Right? Qatada mentions, Yahya a.s. لم يعصل لها قط بصغيرة ولا كبيرة He never disobeyed Allah with a minor or major sin. ولا هم بإمرأة He never had even an intention to, uh, to, to he never had an, even an inclination towards any women. This was the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the piety of Yahya alayhi salatu wasalam as Allah azza wa himself mentions in the Quran. Allah azza wa jal says, وَحَنَانًا مِنْ لَدُنَّا So the first gift we gave this child is prophetic wisdom as a child. Prophetic wisdom as a child, number one gift. Number two, حَنَانًا مِنْ لَدُنَّا We gave him tenderness from our own providence. Hanan. Abdul Hanan, you heard this name. Hanan, Hanan. Hanan is the name of Allah Azza wa Jal, right? The most loving, the most caring, the most merciful. The most caring, most loving, most merciful. This is the uh, sifat of Allah Azza wa Jal. This outside in the lobby 
on the two sides of this, uh, this wooden door. If you look up on your way out, you will see two medallions, two geometric designs. One says, Ya Hannanu Ya Mannan, the other one says, Ya Ghaffaru Ya Sattar. Right? So, Ya Hannanu Ya Mannan, this is the two names of Allah, which mean, O oh, the bestower of blessings, and O oh, Hanan, O oh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the shower of mercy. And Ya Ghaffaru Ya Sattar means, O oh, the one who forgives, is Ghaffar, the one who forgives us, Sattar, the one who covers our faults. Right? So, Allah Azza wa Jal says, second quality Yahya had, we gave him Hanan. My dear brothers, this is what we need. What do we need? We need love. We need to be loving people. And we need to create love and care within our children. Very important. How much effort is put onto, uh, you know, on, on specific achievements, achievements, letter grades, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, numbers in, in, in exams. And percentiles in exams, standardized exams. This is something we are proud of, right? Do we not all talk about whoever gets his son or daughter in Ivy League school or was a straight A student? My son is an honor roll student. My son is, is a straight A student. He put a bumper sticker. How many of bumper stickers have seen my son or my daughter is a loving, caring, empath empathetic individual? Right? Is that something that we cherish? Is that something that we really make an effort? That is truly a sifat that is mentioned here, Hanan, right? To, have, to raise children who are loving and caring, to raise children who have sympathy, who raise children who can connect with people. This is, my dear friends, a very important aspect of our deen. And it's not gonna happen if we don't make an effort. Uh, Nabi Wasallam was, was asked by a, a companion, Nabi Wasallam was kissing his grandson, Hassan or Hussein, if I'm not mistaken, and Aqrab ibn Habis was there. He says, oh, you're kissing your kids, your grandkids. He says, inna li ashrat abna, I have 10 sons, I never kiss any of them. Macho, right? So the Nabi wasallam, what does he tell him? He says, the gist of what he said is, what can I do if Allah has taken away mercy from your heart? Now, you're proud of this? You're proud of this? How many people will tell us that I don't have a relationship like that with my father? They'll say, he, you know, there's no expression of love and muhabba. Many times you see that people are, are scarred because of that. And this is a very common thing uh, in, in, you know, in, in, in our culture back home. And now it's subhanAllah, another extreme. So the aspect of that being a good father or a good son means that there's absolutely no type of empathy and sympathy. It's a really you know, tough love. There's definitely a place for tough love. There's definitely needed, very much needed. But at the same time, in order for it to remain love, the person who's receiving that tough love must know that it's love. Otherwise, then it, it backfires and it doesn't achieve us anything. I remember one day after uh, one of my uh, trips to another state, I was giving a talk which I always speak whenever I'm traveling and even here to once in a while about the huge uh, you know, uh, uh, problem of people leaving Islam and so forth. So after the talk was over, a brother came up to me, an uncle came up to me and you know, he, he was just so passionate and he was telling me, you know, you have to speak, forget the kids, forget about speaking to the kids, you gotta just speak to the parents, you just gotta speak to the parents, you just have to speak to the parents. And then he shared his own story, because he's a very punctual, you know, dindar, dariwala, kurtawala, topiwala uncle, you know. And he's like, you know, I've, I've suffered. He said, my kids, they pretty much left Islam, two of my sons. They said, out, we're done, we're done with Islam, we're done with the deen, we're done with you. And he said, because my whole thing was just, you know, the way I presented Islam to them was just about do's and don'ts. And there was no aspect of love. And he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was just so kind on me that Alhamdulillah, I woke up and I realized my mistake. And I'm, I made tawbah. And I tried to make it up. And you know, and they usually you don't always hear these success stories. But Alhamdulillah, Allah azawajal brought them back. 
And so he said, my effort in the masjid, wherever I go, he's telling me, is uh, that just tell, par tell parents, you know, that this is not the way to, to raise children. On the flip side of it, what we have today, in this generation, is the complete opposite of that. That it's absolutely not. By Allah, I'm telling you what I just heard very recently. Very recently, right? Is someone who said, but you know your son is a bad influence. Do you have any idea that he is drinking? That you have any idea he's taking drugs? And he's affecting the neighborhood kids. Although he has, mashallah, spent time in a madrasa too and whatnot. The response that the parents, instead of saying, thank you so much for letting us know, the response is, listen, bhai, you, cannot be too, you cannot be too tight with your kids. That's why your own son doesn't like you Because you're too, too strict with him You have to give him the freedom He will learn He'll, you know, you, it, takes, it takes them to stumble and fall Before they wake up and realize You know how true their parents were And how true the deen is So let him go Right? Let him go He'll trip and he'll fall And then he'll wake up and come back Subhanallah This is the other extreme Of a, of a, of a father who's saying I don't worry about my kids drinking I don't worry about them involved in drugs and stuff like that. You don't need to even bring it up to my notice. It's okay. Right, so this has become the opposite culture. With parents, with kids are, are unfortunately involved in these type of things. Or facilitating it. Right? Where is the aql when a person gives a credit card to his son and daughter? When a person gives a car and he doesn't look at where this credit card is being used? Where a person is using this car? How late is coming? All these type of things. A person isn't looking... And he says, no, you're grown, it's not, it's not, it's not my fault to look at that. This is, this is not the correct way of also uh, you know, raising children. It, it requires a person to make the full effort till the very last breath. Imagine Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi did that to us. How much I should tell you? I'm going to read the Qur'an once and that's it, over. <laughs> right? That's it. You all know what time of Fajr, Dhuhr, Asar, Maghrib, Why do we have to have the Adhan? Why? Look at your clock. Why should we even have Adhan? For what? We're gonna pray salah without adhan and iqamah. That's not what a deen is. Deen is five times a day adhan. And in a way that people around the masjid could hear. Every single day. Even though you know it's maghrib time, sunset, you gotta go for maghrib. Still you gotta hear the adhan. And indeed, reminder is a beneficial for the believers. That's the fitrah of we are where insan comes from, nisyan. Insan comes from nisyan. Nisyan means forgetfulness. We tend to forget a lot. And on top of that, shaitan is always trying to create ghafla and heedlessness within us. So part of, it's our responsibility as fathers and mothers that we look after our children and constantly be reminding them, but infuse that with love, infuse that with mahabba. So what we, dear parents, and you know, speaking to myself first and foremost, is that if we want hanan to come into children, we have to have it to ourselves. What I'm trying to say, if you're passing by a beggar on the street, although this is not overseas, here in America you'll see that, don't say, oh, they're all drug dealers. This is what you're doing. Even if it comes in your mind, what kind of impression you're giving to your kids? Think about that. You have to create empathy within them. Trust me, they'll grow up to feeling that, you know what? I have money because I deserve it. I, I ate dinner at home because guess what? I'm, I, I studied. That's why I had dinner and have a home. And you didn't study, probably you fooled. That's why you're on the street. You, that's what's gonna happen with these kids. If we speak like this in front of them, if we, if we look down upon a certain community, certain socioeconomic part of our community, a group of people of a certain background, certain color, certain ethnicity, if we speak about that in derogatory terms, what's gonna happen? These, these beautiful kids will unfortunately become hard-hearted. Will, we will, be, will be holding grudges. And it will ruin their dunya and they'll ruin their akhirah. We need to create an aspect of sympathy for them to connect. Even with 
birds, animals, you know, if, if Allah forbid, if you run over uh, an animal on the street accidentally, this is not like, oh, it's who cares? No, it's, it should hurt us. We end up killing Allah's creation. We took a life away. Because many times, because maybe we're not looking on the road properly. You see what I'm saying? The kids are in the car. Now there needs to be a moment of reflection. There needs to be a moment of reflection. That, that was not good. I really feel guilty about it. I, need, I would like to give some sadaqah. Right? Subhanallah. That, that's what we're speaking about. That, that rahmah has to be created for makhluk, for animals, for plants, for the earth, for everything. Rahmah has to be there. We have to be merciful for humans. And of course, for, for, for cousins and aunts and uncles and Muslims and non-Muslims and everything. So they, children are very particular about the words we use. They watch what we say, what we do. So we need to show them a, 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 what it means to have mahabba and love. Uh, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he mentioned uh, that in, uh, it's called, this is hadith musalsal bil awaliyah. Okay, let me explain this a little bit, background of this. There are a hadith that Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam did something and then his companion, his companions did the same thing when they were narrating that hadith. And then their companion, their students did the same thing when narrating that hadith. And then their students did the same thing when narrating the hadith. This is called musalsal, continuous. Have you heard of this before? No? Musals, it's called, so there's a collection called musalsalat. The ulama, they have a dars of hadith, musalsalat, where they go through all the hadith that have been compiled together in which some activity took place with the hadith. For example, you, you hear many times, the Nabi alayhi was, what was it, with Abu Darda, I think so. Abu Dada was standing there and he gave a hadith on reward of washing up for wudu. And how when you wash up for wudu, what happens? Your sins are forgiven. And what did he do when he was doing that? He was what? He's shaking the tree. It was autumn. Remember that hadith? It was autumn. He shook a tree and the leaves fell. And he said, do you know, he asked a student, do you not know why I'm doing randomly shaking a tree? And he said, why are you doing this? He says, well, because that's what the Prophet did. And then we asked him, why are you doing this? And then he said, well, when a person performs wudu for salah, his sins are forgiven, just like the leaves from this tree are falling. Okay, you know, the gist of the hadith. So now, narrators after narrators did the same thing with their students. All right? So there's a hadith with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where uh, before he mentioned the hadith, he gave a date and some zamzam. So then the narrator, the, the, his student, did the same thing with his students. And his students did the same thing with his students. There is a musalsal bil musafaha. The Nabi ﷺ shook hands with his companion and then shared a hadith. Then that sahabi, he shook hands with his student and then he said a hadith. And then that tabi'i, he shook hands with his student and said a hadith. Alright? So these are all musalsalat. And alhamdulillah, we were blessed in madrasa to study the musalsalat. And we actually went and shook hands with our ustad as he said the hadith. Going back to the handshaking with who? With Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Can you find a deen like this? Can you find a religion, any other religion like this, my friends? Where you shaking hands and that chain goes back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Handshake, handshake all the way up to him. When you are taking a sip of zamzam or dates and it's going back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi When you're shaking a tree or something else of that sort. So one of the hadith is called Musalsal al-Awwaliyya. It's really famous musalsal it is the hadith in which you when you meet someone the first time a scholar of hadith when he sits down to share hadith or to teach hadith or he meets his group of a group of students the first time then this is the first hadith he mentions awwal means first because nabi sallallahu when he met with a group of companions or one companion he's, this was the first hadith he shared with him 
And then that student, he shared, that Sahabi, when he met his student, when he met a tabi'i, that was the first hadith he shared with him. Got it? So similarly, when we entered our final year of alim course, the Dawratul Hadith, and when we sat in the first day in front of our honorable Ustad, Hazrat Mufti, Allahul Haq, and when he, he, the Ustad of Sahih al-Bukhari, he sat in front of us, then he also, before he began the dars, he shared this hadith. First day of class. The first day sitting in front of him as students of hadith. And what is that? That beautiful hadith is Ar-Rahimun Yarhamuhum Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahimun The mercifuls Ar-Rahimun Those who have mercy Ar-Rahimun The merciful people Yarhamuhum Ar-Rahman The most merciful Shall have mercy upon them The merciful people The most merciful Shall have mercy upon them Irhamuhuman fil ard Yarhamkum man fil sama That have mercy upon the dwellers of the earth Then the dwellers of the heavens Will have mercy upon you have mercy upon the dwellers of the earth and the dweller of the heaven will have mercy upon you. Yani, Allah Azza wa will have the, all those in the heavens, the angels will have mercy upon you, will have, make dua for you. And Allah Azza wa whose kingdom is in the heavens and in the earth of course and everywhere, but this is just a way of signifying His greatness, like we point our hands upwards, right? Towards Allah Azza wa because upwards means greatness above us. So that being who's, 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 whose uh, power is above us, he shall have mercy upon us. So this, my dear friends, is a beautiful hadith for all of us to remember. What an, a powerful hadith for the first meeting. man fil ard, man fil sama. Have mercy upon the dwellers of the, heaven, uh, of the earth, the dwellers in the heavens will have mercy upon us. What is the part of, what is the part of uh, mercy? Sharing. Teach them how to share. Teach them how to share with each, with each other, with their friends. Whatever money you give, what, really let him, let him learn from that. Alhamdulillah, you're not gonna, that $100 is not gonna kill you. That poor kid, he's mashallah smart. He wants to give his $100 for, to support an orphan, Allahu Akbar. You're gonna end up like thanking the, yourself and thanking Allah for letting him do that. So teach from a childhood, from a young age, how to be generous. That's part of Hanan. What is the third thing? Zakatan. The third, third gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Yahya alayhi salatu salam was that he was um, a pure, right? Zakatan, he was pure. Pure, clean-hearted, all right? Wakana taqiyya, and he was God-fearing. So pure and God-fearing. These are the two qualities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Zakariya Salam. Next one. Wakana taqiyya, he had taqwa. What is taqwa, right? What is taqwa? They say, taqwa is mawlaka la yaraka haythu nahaka. That your Lord... Your Lord does not see you where He has asked you not to be. Wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you not to be there, you're not there. Right? So this is what, um, uh, um, this, what taqwa or wilaya means. Okay? That Allah, you're staying away from wherever Allah azza wa has asked you not to be. Next, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We made him virtuous towards his parents. So being virtuous and kind to the parents is again a blessing of Allah. So let's think about all these sifat that he had, Yahya salam. These are the sifat we should have in our own selves, and these are the sifat and the qualities we should ask Allah to give our children. Right? This is the wabaram uh, right. Being virtuous towards your parents is a super important one. So may Allah Azza wa Jalla grant us uh, wisdom. Say Amin. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala grant us tenderness and mercy. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala grant us uh, uh, purity of our heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us taqwa and may Allah make us virtuous towards our parents. 
And he was neither insolent nor disobedient. He was not hard-hearted. He was not disobedient to Allah nor hard-hearted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now says, وَسَلَامٌ عَلَيْهِ Right? وَسَلَامٌ عَلَيْهِ Peace be upon him. يَوْمَ وُلِيدَ The day he was born, the day he dies, and the day he's going to be raised in the hereafter. Meaning, the most important days of his life. The day you're born, the day you die, and the day you're... There's no more important than this. The decisions are made then. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declared that there's already peace upon him. So here ends the beautiful story of uh, uh, Zakaria and Yahya alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, what you will see here is that there was a miracle happening here. Obviously, that at such an old age, husband and wife are being blessed with a child. That's a miracle. And the reason of this beautiful long story that we covered in three weeks is for us to realize that the issues that we're dealing with are much smaller than this. Someone who haven't had children for 10 years, someone who doesn't have children for 12 years, there was here in the community, there was an individual who one day came to me and said, in Ramadan, I want to give you the glad tidings, Allah Azza wa has granted us a child after 16 years. He said, we've been trying for 16 years. SubhanAllah. That's how Allah Azza wa There are many who tried for many, many years, then they adopted a child. And after adopting a child, Allah gave them their own child. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> how is the system of Allah, right? So we can never give up. We can never give up on whatever needs we have. We keep on asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To recap from last week, regarding the... the, the um, uh, the, 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 the etiquettes of dua That we, we had spoken about last week Number one is to speak When you make dua With humility and humbleness Softly we make dua Number two was That the, the humility So one is soft One number two is um, uh, Being humble Number three is That you present a good deed That you have done in, in front of Allah As Tawassul. Make it as a wasila. Ya Allah, if you know I was sincere on that day, that night, alright, then, uh, you know, please, Allahu Akbar, Ajib, please uh, remove this difficulty. I just remembered a statement as the uh, Mullah Silwan Mullah, my Ustad, referring to the story of the man, the three men who got caught up in the cave. Yes? Three people got caught in a cave. They went inside to take shelter, and the, the boulder came in it, covered up. The opening of the cave So they got stuck inside And they were gonna die So they made mashara What should we do? They said we need to make dua they Said okay fine Everyone go and make dua But in, when you're presenting In front of Allah Present something Powerful That you can say Through the barakah of this deed That you know I only did for you Ya Allah please remove this Musqibah from us This is what we learned Straight from hadith What's it called? Tawassul bil amalis salih to make wasila and to use a good deed of yours as a source of intercession in front of Allah. So one of them, he said, that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a long story, one of them who basically he's talked about how he stayed away from sin, from zina. Another one talked about how he was super kind and unbelievably caring for his parents. And the third one talked about how he was dutiful in Fulfilling the right of a laborer Who came years later and he still paid him in full And he actually invested the money And he gave him the full profit So when each of them presented It's a beautiful story inshallah If you haven't heard about it Please read it, listen to it Or Allah will give us an opportunity to speak about it some other time Every time when they presented one of their deeds Each one of them, what happened? A portion of the boulder moved One third The next one presented his deed One third Third one presented a deed One third and eventually all three of them, alhamdulillah, were given safety. This is that mentioned in hadith of a story that happened in the previous nations. Okay? So what the point Walana was saying is that we need people today. 
the, from 1.2 billion Muslims to make dua to Allah, to supplicate to Allah Azza wa and to make wasila of their good deeds so that Allah can remove the boulder of coronavirus. But why isn't that happening? Right? Why is that happening? Where are the people who've done beautiful good deeds? Come out. Come out of your holes and make dua and make powerful dua. And this is for all of us to ask. Maybe there's something seriously lacking. How could it be that we don't have something to present? If we don't have something to present, we better do it right now. We better start doing something right now only for the sake of Allah. Then no one knows. As they say, give from your right hand that your left doesn't even know. Meaning, don't even sit there and say, wah, kya teer maraj, you know? Like, don't even sit there in your bed and say, man, I really did something. SubhanAllah, I'm something. Khalas says that, no, don't. You do it and you forget it. You do it and you don't even look back. You do it, you don't even get a smile on your face thinking about how you did that. No. You say, Allah, I just hope you accept it. That's all, that's all. And just stop thinking about it. That's what it means. Right? You have certain deeds you only do for Allah Azza wa Jal. And you pr- pr- try to protect them and preserve them and hide them more than you would hide your own sins. Right? You, because you just want the, 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 the strength of it comes in from its being it's like a Coke. <laughs> if you open it up, what happens? The fizz is gone for two weeks. You're gonna drink it afterwards. Right? Anything. Anything you open up is gone. So the amal, when, when people get to know about it, you talk about it, the strength of it is gone. So if we really want to present something to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at least some scholars say, do something every day. One small action. One small action. It could simply mean you know, cleaning your, the, the, your toilet. You know, for, for your spouse or for your child or for your parent or whatever the case may be. I'm just saying, in, in the night, emptying out, you know, re- going to your neighbor and shoveling out the stairs, not even the whole driveway, right? Something that you don't want anyone to know. Uh, helping out someone in need who has no idea about it, that you can help them out like that. Every single day have a certain action that you can present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so this is tawassal bil amal salih so the, this is the etiquette of dua that we learn from the story. What, what did he say? What did Yahya Salam say? He said, Oh Allah, I've never been deprived when I'm asking you. I always ask you and you always give. Right? Hatim, it's mentioned about Hatim Ta'i. He was a very generous person. So one day someone came to him and asked him, Please give me something. He said, Who are you? He said, I am the one who asked you last year and you did not deprive me. And he said, Bas, you are gen- you've asked me how I can't say no to you. You have asked me but in the name of my generosity. How can I say no to you? So if this is of humans, what about, what about Allah Azza wa Jal? Right? When we say, Allah, you've been so kind to me, you've given me things which I don't deserve. And, and, and I'm now asking you for something which I really, really am begging and need. Now I'm saying that the story of Zakaria alayhi salam was... Uh, Miraculous, but now we move on to the next one, which is a degree higher, and that is, of course, Maryam salam radiallahu anha giving birth to a child without, with not just an old lady or old man or a barren lady, but instead without a husband. Allah says, "Wathkur fil kitabi Maryam," and mentioned in the book, "O Prophet of Allah," the tiding and the story of Mary. Behold, she withdrew from her family to an eastern place. Okay, in Tabada. Um, Nabada means to throw. You've heard Nabiv, Nabiv al-Tamar. You know what that is? Nabiv, you drink the Khajur date by Abdul Jante. Nabiv al-Tamar, our brothers who lived in Saudi in the Khalij. Of course, you know Nabiv. Right? They take dates and you put it into water. 
and you stay allowed to stay there for a day or so, and then after it's a date drink. You can't don't leave it for more than that because it'll start fermenting real quick, right? Then it won't be permissible to drink after that. So this this um, nabiv is called nabiv because you take the dates and you throw it in it. So nabada means to throw. In tabadat means you basically you pull yourself away, you get yourself thrown away, right? Push yourself away from something. So what did she do? She pulled herself away from her family. She went into seclusion. Where did she go? She went to it in some eastern, an eastern place in Quds. What else did she do there? And what? She placed a veil between herself and them. She placed a veil between herself and them. What was she trying to do? She was trying to make do ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. She had gone there to make ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the miraculous thing happened after that. ruhana. We sent down to we sent to her our spirit, the angel Jibreel, and thus appeared to her as a flawless human being. So today's dars from the beginning was supposed to be on this as just this ayah right here. And inshallah, that's what I'm the remainder of my dars. Inshallah for barakah in my time, I'll speak about this super important topic. And this is from where do we take it from? This all this what I'm gonna speak about is from the word intabada. To pull herself away. And what I want to speak about is the concept in our deen of khalwa. Alright? Khalwa is seclusion. Secluding ourselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is that, the importance of it? Dear friends, in order for us to gain some type of spirituality, we need to understand that that cannot happen without spending time in seclusion with Allah. In order for a person to be a successful a physician or a successful lawyer, he has to spend time with books. You don't just naturally be born like that. You have to spend time. So in order for a person to be gifted with iman and the sweetness of iman and to be able to see things, what does it require? You need some private downtime with Allah. So there, I'm going to share lots of statements now, right? So be ready for this. May Allah give all of us the reality of what I'm saying. I need it the most. Make dua Allah. Whatever I say now, may He make it easy for myself and all of you who are listening and who will listen in the future. Make it easy for us to practice on it. Say Ameen. Alright? So one of the ulama, he said, Al-jalwatu min al-khalwa wal-mawarid min al-awraad waman lam takun lahu bidayatul muhriqah lam takun lahu nihayatul mushriqah. He says, Al-jalwa min al-khalwa that if you want jala al-qalb, jala, jali, something clear. If you want to be able to see things, you know, see right through the fog, see right through the dust storm, right through the sandstorm, right through, you know, the, the haze. There's something that's called farsightedness. There's something called firasa. It's something called firasa. That a person has the eyes in the heart. Allah says in the Quran, لا تعمل أبصار It's not the eyes that go blind. ولكن تعمل قلوب التي في الصدور It is the eyes of the heart that actually go blind. Allahu Akbar. It's the eyes of the heart. Can you speak to someone for two hours? By be respectful to your mother. Be respectful to your father. He doesn't get it. Dear brother, be, be careful about how you treat your son and daughter. Right? Take care of them. Make their tarbiyah. Doesn't get it. Brother, your success does not come through haram money. You will never succeed if you have haram income. It never will happen. That no, no, let me just do it now. Eventually, then I'll make tawbah. I want to earn a lot so I can donate from haram. Inna lillahi wa inna There are certain people, you tell them all you want, they just don't get it. What has happened? Amiyat absarul qulub. The eyes of the heart have become blind. 
So how do you wake? Uh, how do you awake the the the, uh, the heart? How do you bring a sahwa? How do you bring an awakening? How do you open the eyes of the heart? Al jala, the jali. Where does that come from? Through halwa, by spending time in seclusion with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, right? Well, mawarid bin al awrad. Some of us we say, I want to become a spring. I want to become a fountain that I've got the best tweets. And I've got the best, I dropped the best statements. <laughs> and I've got the best one-liners. And people's lives should change. It can happen. But if you want to bring a spring, and you want to, if you want to be a, a spring and a, and a well of khair, he says, وَالْمَوَارِدْ مِنَ الْأَوْرَادِ comes from your dhikr. Awrad, wird. Your daily recitals. One alim, he mentioned such a beautiful point. May Allah give myself and all of us a tawfiq, subhanallah. And may Allah not make these words a proof against us. But rather, make it a means of all of us bringing what I'm saying into practice. He said the example of us speaking, and this is not speaking only on the mimbar, on the mic, and of course it is for that, but even in speaking to our relatives, our kids, our wives, our spouses, so forth. He says the one who's speaking is like a well, you're pulling water out of the well. But if you have a well that is only two feet deep, what's gonna happen? After you pull out water, what's gonna happen? What's gonna come out? After you've taken out water, you're gonna have mud coming out because it's not dug deep enough. In order to get water, fresh water, you have to dig deep and deeper. And when the water finishes from a well, what do you do? You dig deeper. So he says, similarly, a person who notices that his words are not having effect on his children or on his community or his spouse or her spouse, what do they need to do? They need to not just start speaking louder, they don't need to start speaking more. But they need to start making an effort quietly on their own selves. They need to start increasing their dhikr and their dua. They need to start increasing their khalwa with Allah. So the more we start digging deeper, the fresher our water will become. Does that make sense? Right? So when we find ourselves speaking to our family and they're not listening, let's not blame them. This is what the tabi'un, we've heard about from the tabi'un and the sahaba, that when they would see, some of them, when they would see their own spouse or wife or child not listening to them, immediately, may Allah give us a tawfiq to do that. Immediately they would reflect at their own life and they would say, what have I, which mustahab, which sunnah have I left out today because of which Allah is punishing me in the form of a disobedient spouse or a disobedient child. Right? To the extent that when their own donkey or horse or camel would act stubborn with them, immediately the question would be, which dua, which sunnah, which mustahab act did I leave out today, which Allah is giving me the taste of my own medicine. Because we are the abd of Allah, we're the slave of Allah, and we've disobeyed Him. So Allah says, okay, you think you own this horse? Let me see how it makes you feel when this horse doesn't listen to you. Even though you provide him food, and you massage him, and you provide him all the needs of this horse and this camel, look how does it feel like when he doesn't want to listen to you. Allahu Akbar. Right? So the ulama of the past, the sahaba, the tabi'un, and the pious elders, they would not blame the makhluk around them, they would immediately take stock of themselves. So this is what we're speaking about here, al-mawarid bin al-awrad. And then he said, وَمَنْ لَمْ تَكُلْ لَهُ بِدَايَةٌ Whoever does not have a painful, muhriqah comes from ihraq, which means to burn. Who doesn't have a burning beginning, meaning whoever doesn't have a difficult beginning, he will never have a well-lit ending. Meaning if we want a beautiful ending at our lives, we want to die in a beautiful state, we want to have a beautiful retirement, then our time of work, we need to work hard. And we have to struggle. So this is the, what is the nihai going to come? The nihai is going to come at our time of death. If we cannot make mehnat and effort now for the deen, then we cannot expect to have a good ending. 
So the, the, this is what these scholars have mentioned regarding khal, khalwa. A little bit of actually the, 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 uh, uh, the, the definition of khalwa. What is that? It says, anil bashar. Khalwa is to cut yourself away from humans, from people. لِفَتْرَةٍ mahduda For a specific amount of time. Be it for 12 hours. Be it for 40 days. Be it for 10 days of Ramadan. Right? Be it for 30 days of Ramadan. But cutting yourself off from people for a specific amount of time. وَتَرْكِ الْأَعْمَالِ And to leave all things of this dunya. Earning, spending, buying, selling. لِمُدَّةٍ yasira For a small amount of time. كَيَّتَفَرَّغَ الْقَلْبُ مِنْ هُمُومِ الْحَيَاةِ الَّتِي لَا تَنْتَهِي So that the heart can free itself from the worries of this world which will never come to an end. Dunya ki you just, you just free your heart from those afkar, those worries. And so that your mind can be freed from the daily, you know, the daily occupations which will never end. So the purpose of, and the definition of, of khalwa is to separate ourselves from other human beings for a, for a specific amount of time without doing anything related to the dunya in order to free our mind and our soul, our mind and our heart from those things which we are always doing anyway. Okay, we got that? So how much, what is, the, is there any minimum for this? There's no minimum. Is there any maximum or no maximum? Of course, but there's a condition. While you're doing this, you cannot make ta'atul huquq. You cannot neglect the rights of others. So if a person is a husband or a wife or whatever, father or mother, you have rights of, the children have rights upon you, your spouse has rights upon you. You have to ensure that when you go into this khalwa, be it half an hour, or be it for a month and a half or two months, that there is no neglect of their rights. You've taken care, you've made arrangements for that before you sit for your khalwa. That's obviously there. And obviously in this khalwa, we cannot obviously neglect our, the rights of Allah. That I'm doing khalwa, so I'm not going to pray anymore right now. I'm going to sit and do dhikr. I'm not going to do my fard salah. Because I'm doing khalwa. Obviously that doesn't make sense either. So as long as a person stays away from that, this khalwa will be beneficial. Um, dear friends, this point he said was beautiful. The, the fikr of, and the worries of this dunya will never come to an end. Someone, I invited him for the tafsir for example today. He mentioned, I make, make dua, I wish, you know, you know, I just wish I had more time to be able to come and attend. But the reality is, my dear friend, you will never have more time unless you create and make it. Priority has to be done. Priority has to be made. Otherwise, you'll always be full. If, you don't, if you're just sitting around, this deen is not for people who are lazy, sitting on their back doing nothing. That's not, deen is not for them. Deen is for people who, like you, who are busy, who say, I don't have time. But then you say, you know what? I value the, the, I, I value the dars. I value deen. Hence, just like I value my body. And so I'm going to take time out to eat. Which, which fool will say, I've got no time to eat. It's been three days. I haven't drank a sip of water yet. You never heard of some, right? Like that he'll die. You, whatever, the purpose you're working is to take care of your body. What's the purpose if you starve yourself to death while you're working? It doesn't make sense. Similarly, the soul requires ghidha. The soul requires food. And that food is found in the masjid. The food is found in the majlis of dhikr. The food is found in the majlis of ilm. And the, the, the aspect of, I don't have time, you're going to keep on saying it until you die. And I'm going to keep on saying that until I'm dead. I'm dead. All the people who died, ask them, were they just sitting there? I got nothing to do. All the people in the grave, grave, go ask them, how did your death come to them? It was a normal day. They left their home thinking that they have to get to work at 8 a.m. 
They were thinking about what they can have for dinner. They were thinking about how they're going to take out their family and they got worried about their summer plans and they're worrying about their kitchen renovation. And bam, they had a car accident and they're dead, finish. That's how people die. All the people who were in the hospital before they ended up in that accident or corona or whatever, were they sitting there thinking that everything, I've done with everything, let me just die. No, you won't find people like that. Everyone had a normal schedule, normal busy jam-packed schedule. Malik al doesn't ask your assistant, doesn't ask your calendar, can I have permission to fit myself between a 7 and 8 appointment? No, he will come in and make himself, he will move all other appointments, cancel all the other appointments, and just say, here I am, let's go. And he will not even tell your wife, hey, can, I send, can I send a text message to my wife, I'm not going to make it for dinner? Can I send a text message to the kids, I'm not going to be there to put you to sleep? Uh-uh. No message to anyone. It's done. Finish. I remember one of our ustads in madrasa, in Darlum Zakaria, Mulan Suleiman Ganji, Rahimahumullah, Rahmatan Wasi'ah. Subhanallah. Right? He did all of, he was a hips teacher, and he was, did all the entire fundraising for the madrasa. In madrasa, Darlum Zakaria is a huge campus. Right? Can I imagine what, for about four to five, six months he would do the fundraising for the madrasa. And I, went, I visited Madrasa later on after he passed away. They would say that we understood his value after he was gone. What type of effort he did, you know, how he made our life easy, everything was running. So he went to Brazil. He went to Brazil to go check out on some maktabs, Quranic schools that they had started. He arrived back in South Africa, called his wife from the airport and children and everything. He said, you know, keep the tea and lunch ready, I'm coming. Oh, 1, 2, 2 p.m. A mile away from the Madrasa, subhanAllah, he had a, he had a head-on collision and he passed away a mile away from the Madrasa. Right? A few years ago. Right? So this is what an example. How many examples like this where a person texts me, but mashallah, he, what a beautiful death. He died in the path of Allah. He hadn't arrived at his home yet. Right? He died in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the most, they say about 10,000 people attended his janazah. And one of the most uh, attendees, uh, and the most well-attended janazahs. But he made an effort throughout his life doing this. So that's how his, 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 his ending came. Didn't I tell you the other day, one of the ulama in South Africa, he passed away last week. Right? In the madrasa, Talimuddin, in the first rakah of Fajr, in the first row, in Sajda. SubhanAllah. How did that happen? He was obviously coming for Fajr every day. That's how he died, right? Otherwise, he didn't just randomly want to do that. And he was obviously regular. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made his the day he dies. It's a reminder for me and all of us. The day you die and I die is going to be like an average day of your life. So if our average day doesn't look too great, then we better change something. Because he's not going to give us a text message alert. You know, Uber driver or Amazon delivery, oh, you f- follow it, it's coming. Two hours away, three hours away, one hour away, it's coming. Next stop, your next stop. Death doesn't come like that. It just comes suddenly. You won't get a message to say, we need to wake up. So this aspect of, that we think that, inshallah, I'll change later on, it, it's, this is from shaitan. So he's telling us that the dunya we mashagal will never end. What we need to do is take time out every single day to, to sit with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a saying, nabatun, that if you stay firm, that's how growth comes. Growth comes from staying firm. So even if it's 15 minutes that we sit in khalwa, but we do it every single day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us something amazing. Allah says in the Quran, Hauna. The, the true servants of Allah are the ones who walk upon the earth. Hauna. Hauna, one translation is with humility and humbleness. You know, they don't walk arrogantly. Hauna very nicely or softly. But one, one, uh, the, some of the ulama have explained the meaning of Hounan is that when these people, Hounan the, Kamane, uh, in this case, like, they walk ease, with ease and comfort. Meaning, let's listen to this. Meaning, لا يسمح لمشاكلات لمشكلات الدنيا أن تلغي وجوده. 
right? They do not give, they do not allow the difficulties of the world, the happenings at work, to ruin their life. They do not allow the challenges of life to ruin their relationship with Allah. They do not allow the family discord to cut themselves off from Allah. You follow what I'm saying? You lead your life in a manner that no matter what comes at you, you're still connected with Allah. We cannot say, oh, do I had a fight at home. I, had, I got you know, fired. The manager said this to me. I had a car accident. I had this thing, got laid off. All sorts of stuff. So that's why now I'm angry and I'm not praying. I'm depressed and I'm not praying. Ah, these believers, no matter what hits at them, no matter how much difficulty they're in, they do not allow the difficulties of the world to ruin their relationship with Allah. This is the, this is the sifa of, of, of the ibadur Rahman, the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُسْمِعٍ مَنْ فِي الْقُبُورِ You cannot allow, you will not be able to make the one who is in the qabr listen to your speech. Allah farma, right? The one who is in the grave, you cannot make him hear. Meaning, when a per, what does maqbur mean? Maqbur means like, like dug, dug in. So the person who is dug, dug into his grave, what does that mean? Not only the one who is dug into the ground, but the one who's dug into his shahawat and his ladhat and his lustful desires and his long drawn out plans or dug into his tijara, into his business or dug into his, you know, everyday running around in the chores of his home and running around and, 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 and he's dug in his maqbur he is covered in the business affairs you cannot warn him now Allah SWT is saying, the one who is dug in, dug in, you cannot make him listen to the message of the Qur'an. So the ulama are saying, that this is not only dug into the one who is, we obviously know the one who is in the graveyard. How many of you would want to give this bayan to the ones in the graveyard? Right? You know, they're dead, they can't hear us. Right? Except that which he, speech that Allah SWT wants them to hear when you say, Assalamu alaikum, etc. Of course, we, there's a whole discussion about that naqidah, about the, how, what, to what extent then the people in the grave can hear. But they cannot hear in a manner that can be of any benefit to them. That's consensus. That no one in the grave, even if they can hear your salam, they, or they, they, you say, Bhai, you know, make tawbah. <laughs> it's not going to have any benefit. So then, this ayah is not just speaking about the people in the graveyard, it's speaking about people alive right now, but who are holed up in their everyday rat race of the world. Any person you speak, especially in this country, what they will say? Time nahi bhai. Busy home. Weekends busy, weeknights busy, weekdays busy, morning busy. Because why is it? Is there seriously busy? No, it's not priority. How is it that a person wakes up at 5 a.m. and goes to the gym by 5.30? But then won't pray his fajr? Won't have time for Dhuhr and Asar and Maghrib Isha? How is that possible? How is he getting time to do that? How are the people getting time to go for their two-mile run in the slow snow and sleep? Because they have the value for that. They'll take time out. How do people take time? How does a president take time out to golf? Right? How do the people take time out for all this stuff? It's because whatever you value, you will definitely take time out for it. So this excuse, I, I'm saying this for myself. When I say I don't have time for something, or you say you don't have time for something, for Allah's sake, at least please don't believe it yourself. You deceive someone else, okay fine. But don't get deceived by yourself. Okay, I'm not reading Quran because I don't have time. The reason I don't come to, I don't listen to the tafsir is I don't have time. The reason I don't come to the masjid is I don't have time. My dear friends, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. If we are told that tomorrow is your last day, tomorrow khatam, your, your, your risk has ended. 
definitely tomorrow you're going to die. You see how we'll make time. So we can tell this to other people, maybe. But at least let's not believe it ourselves. Because that's the biggest fool. Who, who listens to the lies he's telling to others and falls for it himself. Right? We cannot listen to our own selves saying, I don't have time. We have to create time. We have to make time. So what's the first thing? You ask Allah for help. Say, Ya Allah, you know, let me be able to see through all of this. Ramzan kya hota hai? What happens in Ramadan? How did the masjid usually, I'm talking about pre-COVID, we, the amount that people you give for dhuhr namaz in a masjid, any masjid, is more than you would get on Isha the rest of the year. During work week. Hey, any? We work week, this masjid as well. Subhanallah, five, four to five safs for dhuhr used to have. Weekend, six to seven safs. Sometimes even eight or nine in the last ashara. We don't get that for Isha, whole year round. Never, not even close to that. What happens? There's ihsas ajata hai, kibir ramzan hai. The realization comes, there's Ramadan. Come on, I need to do something. How did all of a sudden we make time? We all do. I make it, you make it. We all do more ibadah in Ramadan. What should that tell us? That tells us that all the excuses we've been given year round were false. When we, no one leaves job to say, you know manager, I'm leaving my job for door and you can fire me. How many people I know have gotten fired because of coming to door? No one. They didn't leave on the condition of getting fired or with the fear of getting fired. They could always have come. But they never tried. They never tried to ask. Or they never, whatever, took the pri- you know, uh, to make the priority. So this is for all of us to remember that let us stop giving excuses for our weakness in deen. Come as come. At the very least, let's become, as they say, iqrari mujrim. Acknowledge our sin. And say, Allah, I know I'm, I'm messed up and I'm not going to give you an excuse. Just, just help me come back. If we can't, if that's the least we should do. If we can't even acknowledge that we are sinning or that we're not doing what we're supposed to do, then this, what, what, what's, what, you know, how are we going to ever get out of this mess? So if you look at Nabi wasalam, Allah Jalla Jalalu says, him, says to him, rabbika, Remember your Lord. What does tabattul mean? Tabattul from Surah Muzammil means to cut yourself off. One of the first uh, tafsirs of the coronavirus, COVID, post-COVID time, if you remember, in March, was Surah Muzammil. When this lockdown got announced, that was a tafsir we're doing, if you remember, Surah Muzammil. Right? And it was just so interesting because the masjid was, we used to be packed and then for that tafsir, khalas, you know, it's like two, two people, three people, whatever the case may be. And I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about, I was just thinking about this ayah, that وَتَبَتَّرْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْتِيلًا How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about, uh, you know, cutting yourself off. So when we cut ourselves off from makhluk for some time, this is where the benefit comes in. Okay, and what did Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam do? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, my dear brothers, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he himself went to Ghari Hira. Did he not? For months he went to Ghari Hira, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam sat there, disconnected from the creation, connected with the Creator. What did Allah Jalla Jalalu give him after that? Immediately after that, the revelation became, came. So if we want to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to dis- disconnect ourselves from the creation for some time. One person told uh, a pious person, he said, he said, when you're sitting in your, uh, when in your, in your uh, time of seclusion with Allah, please, فقير فقير ko yaad karne. you know, remember me. So he said, he said, He said, if I remember you at that time, that means I'm not in khalwa, I'm not in seclusion. 
This is the reality. If you're in seclusion, you remember no one besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the focus. That at that time, it's just you and Allah. That's it. No one. Nothing. Nothing is important to you besides you and your relationship with Allah jalla jalalu. Subhanallah. Right? Uh, they, 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 sometimes we hear an ayah of the Qur'an Verses being recited in salah We hear, we attend a gathering Where praises of the Prophet are taking place And we see out of the whole crowd Two people are crying We see out of the, all the people performing salah Three people are tearing up And the rest, we, we, it doesn't affect us Maybe we don't recognize and realize that something happened What happened my dear friends? The love of muhabbat The crying out of muhabbat is not easy Crying out of khushu is not easy Right? You have to truly be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that to happen. When you see outside of the, the grave of Rasulullah the rawda sharifa, may Allah take us there soon, all of us, and outside of the Kaaba, when you see people crying uncontrollably, what is going on? You know? At least let's cry over the fact that we can cry. Let's cry over the fact that we can cry. Let's cry at the fact that these people, how ahead they will be ahead of, how ahead of this gharib, fakir, bichara, villager from India, who probably sold his cow to be here. Right? How close he must be to Allah instead of me. I'm happy I'm staying in a five-star hotel, came on a $10,000 umrah package. Here he had this person, he came here with you know, $500, with no food to eat. He's sitting there, Ya Allah. Right? But he, the way he's crying, we cry just because they're looking at him, realizing that how far we are from Allah compared to him. So how do you get that? How do you create that love within the heart that allows us to cry? That's gonna happen in khalwa. That's gonna happen in seclusion. Where it's you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You and Allah thinking about how this is, how your relationship with Allah jalla jalalu. Uh, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, all right? It's uh, mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he um, asked him, Allah, um, where was this? He says, Okay, so he is one of the Arifin, rather, one of the pious people, one of his students asked him, he said, Ya Sayyidi, oh my teacher, my Ustad, ma, this is one of the statements that my Ustad used to say. He said, Ma fa'alallahu bik, what did Allah do with you? Allah ne aapke saath kya maamala kiya? Khab mein ziyarat hui apne Ustad ki. He saw his teacher, pious person, he said, what did Allah do with you? He said, this Ibarat Mawlana Choksi used to say it, and I'm reading it today, it's so powerful. He said, Ya Bunayya, راحت تلك العبارات وذهبت تلك الإشارات ولم يبقى إلا ركيعات ركعناها في جوف الليل يا الله so deep he says إمير بيرتي oh my son he's seeing he's telling his student in the dream those beautiful speeches are gone those delicate and intricate مسائل and deductions from Quran and Sunnah that we wrote in the books are gone the only thing that I have that is being valued in front of Allah are as few small rakats that we prayed in the middle of the night. Meaning that the big achievements that the world thought we had, our lectures, our talks, our books, our writings, right, our commentaries, finish. In the front of Allah, Allah found some fault in it, out, expired, finish. The only thing that was worthy was a couple rakats that we used to pray. And this is humbleness. Few rakats used to pray in the darkness of the night. Our Ustadi Mulan Chuks used to say that. That today here we're teaching hadith, you're listening to hadith, we have 100 students a year graduating, all of that stuff. People say, Mulan, Shaykh al Hadith, Fulan, Fulan. And he would say this remember, you know, that don't forget, don't allow all of this to get to your head. What's so important, no matter what type of deeny work you're doing outside, make sure that you take care of the work inside at night. 
And as the Sahaba were described, Rukbanun bin Nahar, Fursanun bin Layl. Sorry, Fursanun bin Nahar, Rukbanun bin Layl. That they used to ride the horses by the day and they used to ride the Musalla at night. That was how they were. They were warriors and knights riding the horses by the day. And they were monks at night riding their musallas, their janamazes. And that was the, the, the secret power and the secret ingredient of the success of the Sahaba and the group of Sahaba. Imam Ibn Hajj al-Qastalani, rahimahumullah. Uh, no, sorry, Imam Qastalani, not Ibn Hajar. Ibn Qastalani, he mentions, Al-Khalwatu, he said, Seclusion, Turihu al-Qalba min ajgal al-dunya. It frees your heart from the worries of the dunya. Wa tufriqhu lillahi ta'ala. It makes it specific for Allah. It makes it khalis for Allah. Wa tufajjiru yanabi al-hikmah. And then the springs, ayun, the springs of wisdom will pop out from your heart. My dear brothers, much has been mentioned, subhanAllah, today on this topic. What we need to, inshaAllah, make a commitment today here is that uh, we make a commitment of 10-15 minutes every single day. Every single day, we need to make this commitment that if we want to be able to move forward, ahead, we have to have khalwa. Anyone whose two days are the same is a loser. If our salah is the way we were 20 years ago, if our dhikr and dua it was the way it was 10 years ago, we are losers, losers, losers. We're married now, it's the same the way we were when we were not married. We are in, in, in college now, it's the same the way we were in high school. We are now retiring, and it's the same it was when we were on the first day at work. Then we are biggest losers. There has to be a non-stop, continuous increase in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how will that happen? That will happen when we sit with Allah quietly. Every day. What do you do when you sit quietly? You can recite Qur'an. But with concentration, away from everything. You can take your tasbih and sit and do tasbih. You can sit and simply close your eyes and ponder. Ponder over what has happened in your life. Where, where, have you came from, where you came from, where you're headed. And how Allah has been so kind upon us. We can sit and ponder over Allah's greatness in the things that we've noticed today. Nature or everything else. Like someone just made a beautiful point yesterday. He was talking to me. He's like, well, you see the snow. It's, it doesn't seem to be falling in formation. One, one snowflake here, one snowflake there. But when you look at your driveway, is there one spot uncovered? 100% covered. He's, how is that happening? Every, I mean, it's a simple point. He was, I was like, I never thought about that. Great, there you go. That's your, that's your muraqaba right there. That is your khalwa right there as you're driving home thinking about the snowflakes. That's how simple it is. It's the heart being connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even in bed, before we go to bed, as we read our four quls, and we read istighfar, and we read some of Ayatul Kursi, and we blow in our hands and wipe over our body, do some khalwa for a few minutes. Thinking about Allah, try your best to tear up a little bit about just how kind Allah is, and how merciful Allah has been upon us. And how if it wasn't for His mercy, we would be, you know, God knows where. That khalwa, my dear brothers, if we make a point of five minutes a day, inshaAllah, we will see how every day then will be better than the previous day. Now don't expect all of a sudden to feel like some amazing spiritual high the first day, or the second day. That's not gonna come. That's not what it, we're not doing it for the iman rush, as they say, right? We're not doing it for that. It will come, surely, slowly but surely. One day we will slowly feel how our relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will continue to increase. So I know we've spoken a lot, and <laughs> the reality is all of this is fluff until we go do something at night. We gotta go make something at night. So tonight is the first night to start. If we can't do it tonight, what are we gonna do? Pray an extra two rakah. And sit and ponder over what we were shared. 
and think, Ya Allah, how can I start sitting there and doing khalwa? And I'm gonna ask all of you here, starting off with what I spoke at the beginning of my dars, please do not come alone. Try your best to inshallah bring another five to ten people. Alhamdulillah, previous two weeks was great. Uh, this week maybe it's because of the snow, whatever the case may be. But we don't, we, there's still a lot of makhluk was outside on the roads. So we need to inshallah make an effort to try our best to bring as many people as we can every single day, every single Tuesday night here. And hopefully through the talab and the desire of such people who sit within us, Allah will inspire us to say what we need to hear ourselves. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept whatever I have said and may He make it easy for me and all of you to be able to practice and put into uh, to become propagators of it. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Make dua for all of those who are sick and those who have passed away. Allahumma fil hayyina wa mayyitina wa shahidina wa ghaibina wa saqirina wa kabirina wa dhakrina wa thana. Allahumma nahayyitu minna fahiyya al-islam wa mantawfaytu minna fatawfa'u al-iman. Allahumma gfir lahum warhamhum wa afu'anhum wa dhkhirum al-jannah. Allahumma naqi min al-dhunub kama yinaqa thawb al-abiyyadu min al-dhanas. Allahumma jaal qabrahum تجعل حفرة من حفر النار اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين